three, two, one, go. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Marcus, and you're now listening to Rebuke. This is the 52nd episode in the last episode of this year. So um, this is a topic I want I wanted to talk about and needs to be talked about in the black community. So I wanted to, uh, it's not as glamorous as the other ones or, 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 or thought provoking, but it's something that we, we need to handle. We, it happens in our, our everyday lives and we need to tackle, uh, tackle it as much as, as possible. Um, can, you continue to listen, you can continue to listen to my podcast on, on various platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, and many order, many others and, and make sure you subscribe to my podcast by um, clicking clicking the like button or uh, hitting the follow button on the, on these various platforms as well. Um, I don't want to hold these people any longer. They're probably trying to get back to leftovers to from Thanksgiving. So um, I've, over the past two years, um, I've been seeing a lot of uh death on social media and and talks through friends and family um and what struck me is when one of my classmates in high school um she lost her little sister i don't think she was over 30 years old and it really touched me that how um not touched me but it kind of shook me how she was hurt about about losing her little sister and her mom was distraught that her little daughter was gone. And and just thinking about all the people that we lost during the pandemic, not only from COVID, but from other things and that's gone on, cancer, heart disease, and whatever. And uh, it kind of brings me back when my grandmother died back in 2015. And I didn't know how to handle it because I had some personal guilt uh, behind her death and and to this day, uh, I have not visit uh, visit her home down in rural Alabama because of it. Um, so I felt the need that we need to talk about how to this topic and and, and maybe you can learn something from me uh, and from the, the guests on the show. And hopefully we'll learn how to handle this together. The topic is handling grief in the black community. Uh I'm not a professional on this. And if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I bring specialists on the show to talk about these topics. So we don't just be uh, rambling and stating our opinions. I bring people to, to actually speak the facts. So um, I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the show. So I'd like to thank, once again, thank Jerry for coming on the show again. This is like his third time. I'm going to end up uh, in, end up getting him some uh, a W-2 form for coming on the show so many times. But he's very reliable and he's a very good uh, 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 counselor in the, within the within the region of North Alabama. He's highly recommended. I, I, I asked about somebody. I asked about a counselor to talk about death and his name popped up and I was like, I already know this guy. So I don't even know why I, I, didn't, I didn't reach out for him. So appreciate you, Jerry. More than welcome. Glad to be here. Okay, and we got a new uh, new guest. This is our first time appearing. I, I know this individual from the past when I was living in Metro Detroit for seven and a half years, uh, and I was looking for a a counselor, a woman counselor to come on the show. 
And one of her sorrows like, you know, Juanica does this. I was like, I didn't know, and, you know, and I, I didn't know. I know I knew she was a counselor and she handled various topics, but I didn't know she be- handled death. So I was like, you know what? Let me bring her on the show and uh, see what she has to offer to the black community. So, Miss Benson, thank you for coming on Rebuke. Uh, thank you so much for the invite, Mr. Jones. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Um, I'm quite sure, and especially you, Jerry, you, every time I go over there, it's the cars are filled with at your business. So I know you're busy. So uh, what has been the difference between treating clients uh, during their grieving period uh, pre-COVID versus during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Jerry first and then Juanica. Well, I'll say from from my perspective, uh, you know, the closure issue, uh, you know, I, before it, w- it was a lot of people that came through with closure issues, but it maybe it was linked to uh, maybe a, a relationship that went astray. But during COVID, what, what I've been seeing that it's a lot of people that cared for family members, they were there for them. But because of the restrictions, they weren't they weren't able to be with that family member through that that death process. If it was going to the hospital or going into their homes or some of them feeling guilt from, you know, going around that family member and maybe feeling like maybe I gave them COVID. Uh, I think the process of the hospitals not allowing people in, you know, from the safety standpoint, all of that to me played a, a greater role in how the grief has impacted, you know, the black communities and really all communities that were involved. Ms. Benson, um, do you what what was the difference between treating your clients clients during the grief their grieving period pre-COVID versus po- during the COVID nineteen pandemic? Well, um, there I've had actually I know we said counselor. Um, I want to make sure I do uh, identify. I am a um, master's level psychologist. So oh, excuse um, me, sorry. Oh. I insulted so your mean, phone mean, now. I'm like, a master psychologist. I'm sorry. <laughs> All no, no apologies needed. Uh, I, I know, like you said, Jerry's been on for a little bit, so I do want to give a quick background of of what I do. I know you you spoke to that. Um, so my name is Miss Benson. Um, I am a master's level psychologist, um, and I have my own private practice. So I do deal with grief and anxiety and some some of the other. Uh, mental health issues that have been occurring. So the difference that I can say is um, largely um, what Jerry did say, which is the closure. Um, Closure, um, sometimes the relationships that they had, a lot of times we as individuals always feel that we have tomorrow um, and we'll do it tomorrow. We'll put it off to tomorrow. You know, people are on our minds. We we will get to them. And what COVID did is it it brought... um, Sometimes some people might have felt they took, got that taken away, right? And even though you might have had closure, um, if you weren't going, you know, the restrictions with the hospital, you at least had a funeral to go in and pay your respects and things of that nature. And then you got funerals that end up not being, you, could, you couldn't go in. It was maybe five people, maybe only immediate family that can go. And then you had it possibly streamed, you know, who has you have a funeral streamed or drive through. So you, you didn't still get a chance to pay respects. You didn't get a chance to even have that closure or even get in contact with, because some people like to help. You didn't get a chance to even assist the families um, during that time as well. 
Um, so the, I would say that would be some of the things. It, it definitely was uh, the biggest part is the closure and disbelief because sometimes you are told that you that those things have occurred, but we also know things happen where we can see it, where we can feel it. And even though we're told that, if you don't get a chance to see the finality, that is the, the that funeral, that end point, um, then it's you're still dealing with, is this true? Even though I see it and I don't see this person, but how do I still grieve when I still didn't even see it? Mm. I like that. I appreciate that. Now, um, since Jerry started off, uh, this question is, is for you, Miss Benson. What range of emotions? Because, um, like, when I'm, I told you that I, I started the show about my grandmother, um, I know guilt is, is a big prop, problem for mine. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, to, 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 to give the audience a, a picture of why I felt guilt is that. Um, my, I believe my grandmother had her second heart surgery and, and I went to Birmingham and we went to a family reunion. I was all caught up in emotions because this is my first time going to my family reunion, meeting family and stuff like that and stuff, you know, uh, meeting uh, cousins I never met before. And my grandmother was in the same city as Birmingham. I didn't get a chance. I didn't stop by to see my grandmother, but I was like, you know what? I can go see grandmother another time, you know, I, you know, this is my first time seeing these individuals. I'm going to see grandmother another time. So this was an all uh, late July. And then as soon as I, I, I flew back to uh, Detroit, I get a call from my, my cousin and she's crying. And I'm like, this, I never got the call from her in my life. I haven't talked to my cousin in like five or seven years. So I know something was wrong. I said, what's wrong? And she was saying, me, you know, you know, grandma died. I was like, and I haven't got over that guilt yet because she died two days after I, I left, left the funeral. And I, had I known that she was going to die, I would have checked out. I would have checked out and, you know, say hello to her. So that's why I, I, I made that story. So now everybody knows why I feel, I feel guilt for that situation. So this, go, this goes to the second question. What range of emotions your clients express when they are trying to get over a death or over for, for a friend or a loved one, Miss Benson. Well, yeah, there's a range. Uh, anger, guilt. So um, I always, you know, with being a former educator, a lot of my therapy that I do also is a form of psychoeducation. So I like to try to teach people to understand what they're going through, their emotions. A lot of it is our thoughts, right? Because a lot of times we're thinking things like you're telling yourself, you know, sometimes depression is up because you're stuck. You know, it could be, you keep going back over the same situation. If I can go back and change it, if I knew, if I did that, you know, if I would have called, if I only to stop by, you know, I would have got to get, I would have got a chance to say goodbye. I would have got a chance to tell them I love them or whatever might have been coming up. So I do tell people there's a, it's a textbook, as they say, there's five stages of, uh, grief by Kubler Ross, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Doesn't mean that you go through those laterally. Some place you might be in one because the first time you're going to say, I can't believe it. It's not true. 
then you get upset, you, you know, sometimes asking God why, it, you know, take me instead, all those different things that can still come up. Um, and a lot of times, you know, as we as individuals, we're thinking about our our feelings and what we're going through or that relationship or the last thing I said or what I could have did that might have changed that. Now, I'll say this and then I'll, I'll definitely give it to Jerry. Part of what I like to try to even talk to my clients is say, truly, tomorrow's not promised for anyone. Right. So remember, I, I stated that we always think about there's tomorrow. There's a cemetery full of people who have plans. So if you if your um, doctor told you you have 24 hours, what would you do? Who would you call? Who would you reach out to? Is those relationships that you have very important? Would you with that issue with that person that was so minute now knowing that would you change your mind and reach out and make that call? And the reason why I say that is because for anyone tomorrow is not really promised. So you still have those opportunities to do that. Um, but yes, the, the clients that I work with, I um, definitely help them through that different stages. Let them know that it is okay to be upset, but also just learning to process whatever emotions that they have. Understanding that even though you're angry, angry is always, uh, is I call it a, uh, it's a motion that you can show, but there's always an initial motion that's up under, kind of like the Freud's iceberg. And usually anger has something else attached to it. Am I feeling hurt? Am I feeling, um, you know, uh, you know, belittled or scared or um, frustrated that I didn't get a chance to do what I might tell myself I should have? So those are the, the feelings that also come from guilt. So sorry for being long-winded, but... Oh, you good. You good. Well, Jerry, you, you got anything to add to that? If not, we can go to the next question. Well, just just some of those emotions, uh, you know, the confusement, the disappointment, discouraged, uh, frustrated, the guilt that you talked about, feeling helpless. Uh, some mm-hmm. people are nervous, lonely, uh, overwhelmed, uh, regretful, uh, tired, withdrawn, you know, and a lot of people are scared in that process. Um uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's like in counseling, we, we have different interventions. And, you know, I think with grief, I use motivational interviewing. I try to meet the person where they're at. You know, I think that's important, you know, because each person grief affects in a different way. You can have people that grew up in the same family system that uh, grieve in a totally different dynamic. And I think it's important to meet each person where those emotions are at so you can help that person. Great, great, ma'am. Um, I like the way you said that each, even in the same family, people grieve differently. It's, it's definitely true in my family. Um, Jerry, what are the proper ways to handle grief? Is it like what I'm doing? Is it avoiding my grandmother's house a proper way? <laughs> proper way? Or, you know, or, you know, avoiding the situation, because I know people do that, you know, they avoid the situation or, uh, instead of tackling it. So give me some ways that proper ways of handling grief of a loved one or a friend. I think when I when I'm listening to what you just said, that avoidance, it, it falls under that bargaining that Miss Benson mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, man. What is bargaining and doing a grief process? You know, it's, if only I had done this, you know, if, if I did this oh. thing, it would be different. And I think Ms. Benson made a great point. You know, 
we're, we're all promised 24 hours in a day. That's that's all, that's all that's all we can control is that moment that we have right now. Uh, I think you have to be careful to uh, to make sure you don't beat yourself up, you know, because sometimes we punish ourselves in a way of of uh, of I guess kind of making right that thing that we didn't do when that person was here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we have to be very careful to to not punish ourselves. Uh, we have to lean to our higher power. My higher power is God. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't try to force that on anybody, but I also don't try to shy away from what works for me. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, again, it's just like, like I said earlier about me, people where they're at. For each person, it's different do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. You know, what I try to tell people is don't shy away. You know, uh, if you're trying to comfort somebody who's who's been in the process of grieving, what I, what I think most people try to do is if they give a lot of pity, you know, mm -hmm. they feel sorry for the person. And a lot of times that's not helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Well, thank you for feeling sorry for me, but sometimes just being there for the person mm -hmm. and seeing what their needs are, you know, how, how can you help comfort them? Just listening. Sometimes we're so quick to give information mm -hmm. that we don't realize just having an ear that's open to hear how the person's feeling. Like right now you're processing how you're feeling I've learned this in counseling. Uh, don't get me wrong. I feel like counseling is very impactful. It helps a lot of people. But most people, if you let them talk long enough, they'll answer their own questions. Own questions, yes. And I think that's the most beneficial part. Once you answer your own questions, no matter what I say or anybody else say, you're going to take that information. And you're going to utilize it. And I think mm -hmm. that's the important piece for me from my perspective. Okay. Ms. Benson, what are the proper ways to handle grief? Um, once again, I, I definitely would agree with Jerry. There is no proper way. There is as long as it's there is not as long as it's uh, law abiding. I would say that because you guys provided, I would say there's some things that you shouldn't do, even though you might feel that's what you would like to do. So, um, with that, because everybody is different, everybody does grieve different. You have some people to say, you know, I might not have cry, but it took them a year later to cry. Also be aware of sometimes we we are shying or we are avoiding because it is ourselves putting our things in the way. If you're you're you know thinking about the people that you love and care about, and even though you did not communicate with them, did not mean that they are not aware that you love them. You know, sometimes we're putting assumptions out on how this person would have said or what they would have felt. Um, besides this person being aware if you were, you know, if you wanted to reach out to them or you would call them or the way that they were interact with you as a who you are, that moment does not erase the memory that you have, the person that you were to that person when you did get a chance to see them and all of that. You're, you were being genuine when you did what you did, which is seeing family members you did not get a chance to see and trying to make those connections you know, um, having the person that even though they're not here, would they have wanted you to, to meet people that's in your family that you might not have had? So sometimes just sometimes being kind of getting out our own way and sometimes in our own space. And when you are at a point of, you know, um, as Jerry said, meeting a person where they are, because you also, even though you're servicing people, you can't force them to go to a point where they're not. It's just helping them or helping you even process what your thoughts are around that. Good point. Good point. Now, I said earlier, um, in my family, we kind of, how can I say this? Uh, 
blunt as being is <laughs> kind of a compliment in some ways in my family, being blunt. Uh, but um, when it comes to consoling, I'm, I'm going to speak for me. I can't speak for my, all my family because I don't want them listening to this and trying to attack me and say I was talk, dog, dogging them out. I, I know I suck at consoling people. I mean, my strength is in leadership and showing empathy and stuff like that. But when somebody is going through the grieving process, I feel helpless. Jerry and Miss Benson, I feel like I I can't really do anything in that that point in that situation because that person really want what I, that person really wants is that loved one back. You get what I'm saying? I can't give that to them. You know, uh, so I really suck in that matter. Uh, I, I can buy you, you know, food for the, you know, for you know, for 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 the family during the agreement or send cards. But I, I really, when it comes to words, I suck at it. I'm just going to be be blunt. So, especially you know, especially when it death. So when when that to that is the ability to console someone a gift, or this is something that could be taught, Miss Benson. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think that is necessarily a gift. I think it's you just. I mean, there's some people now that just good at it. And that may I mean, be, I, I'm not. This is a lot of it. Can, I mean, I'm giving some uh, definite um, education that I know, but some of it is also your opinion of what you believe too. So, I'm I'm just saying. Okay. Um, it won't necessarily. You know, you got to also be aware of what you think that is. What do you feel when you say I suck at con- consoling people? You have a vision in your head, possibly, of what that possibly should look like, right? And maybe it's not what you think it is. Just like you said, you can get food. During that time of loss, people like to eat. Co- food is nice. It's also a way to console. For some people, it's a hug. Some people, it's just to see your face, know that you're there. Um, so it, it can be different. And then you got to also look past that point. Yes, you're there, you're going to a service if you're able, you know, with the restrictions, but you're still being there. But what about when life happens, when you continue to move forward? And like you say, even though that loved one is not here, what are you doing once the service stops? Are you still reaching out? Are you still trying to um, just check in on the person, see how they're doing? So that that consoling doesn't have to be a word or, or necessarily just a gesture, but it's also as a period of time, just you being a genuine person of, hey, this is what I am thinking about you. I know this is someone you possibly lost. How are you doing once family and everybody else leave and they're still with themselves? So a gift or can be taught? Well, I think, you know, I would say how it can be how a person, I'm not going to give that. I'm not going to say that <laughs> it's necessarily a gift. I'm not going to say, you know, it can, I mean, but part of that, maybe it can be taught because sometimes as a kid, you're, we're sponges. It's, it's an environment that you're brought up in. So depending on how, when you are learned, you know, taught about death and how you're taught about it might be a way to do that. Cause sometimes people are just saying, Hey, sorry for your loss. You know, you know, um, like you said, sitting in a car or taking food by or making a dish. Okay, okay. Because I'm gonna go, I'm, Jerry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go yeah. to you. But I see some people they they post on social media that they lost a loved one, and then somebody might comment, uh, "Praying for you." And for me, that's not enough. 
just typing right. praying is not enough. That's just me. Keyword. That you just said it. For me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You said for you. Think about it. Everybody in the world is not necessarily you. Think about it. There's also people on Facebook you don't talk to all the time, but just those key words that you put in there, you stop and acknowledge that someone had a loss and you're still putting that out there. So do you look at them or because now some days that's what people do. They're not around you all the time. They might see what's going on in your life, but you share that and that person is still stopping to say I'm sorry for that, even though that might be something that you may not care about. There's other people that might be that appreciate you even stopping and taking that moment to say, you know, uh, sorry for your loss. Okay, good perspective. Good perspective. I'm going I'm to let you slide. You saying it's both. Okay. Jerry? I want you to understand the first word you said was for me. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Jerry, Miss <laughs> Benson. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask what Miss Benson said it, it, it is, and, and I, I'm not trying to double team you with. Yes, yeah, okay. She already <laughs> hit me in the stomach. You gonna body slam me? <laughs> since she already, since she already got you. <laughs> I'm gonna jump in on it. And and part of what she's saying is for me for that for me part. Think about it this way. Say if the last time I talked to that person, we had a knockout drag out. We've never spoken in in 20 years. And all of a sudden, I drop my pride and I say, praying for you, right? That could mean the world to somebody, uh, whereas somebody else could write this long paragraph and they're there every day and they know that person doesn't really care about them or they're not a real friend, you know? So I think that dynamic for each person is, is going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's certain things that can be taught. The grief cycle can be taught, right? I can, I can teach you that you're going to have denial, anger, bargaining, depression, uh, acceptance, you know, Mine's going to readjustment and gaining um, confidence again. You can you can teach those things, but I think some things just through communication, compassion, sharing how we feel, um, you know, meeting each person where they're at. People are so different. Like what may be okay for, for you, it may not be okay for somebody else. You know, um, somebody may go into detail, you know, praying for you and your family since Johnny got ran over by the car. <laughs> you know, you're saying a little too much. Right? Yeah. Some people don't understand that boundary. Yeah. Right? So even for myself, you know, I, I've learned to, to not make it about me. Like I may say my condolences. And some people say, well, Jerry, why do you say so little? Because I don't want to promote my business or my profession. I want to make it about that person's family. And I think my actions afterwards, like Ms. Benson said, you know, most of the time we're so quick when something happens for everybody to kind of gather. And some people are trying to get information. Uh, to me, the people that I see a month later or two months later or three months later, those are the people uh, that, that's going to be inspiring for that person that lost somebody. Uh, I have a neighbor in my, in my hometown and she lost her husband uh, almost a year ago. It, it, made, it, it took about six months for me to reach out to her but I kept reaching out to her. And she told me, she said, that meant the world to me versus all the people that showed up because I saw them one time and I never saw them again. And I think consistency um, and making sure that, I think having empathy for that person and and making sure that you're aware of what that person need is. I think that's more important. And not looking at it just from your perspective. I think that's the hard part with grief is that sometimes we look at it from our perspective and we don't take the time to evaluate what that person needs. And what you said, um, Jerry, just the whole point of 
how, what can I do for you? Ask. Yeah. A lot of people we go into assuming of this, how we should respond. Mm-hmm. I ain't going over there because they don't expect this. No. What do you need? How can I help? Simple, and, simple words. And it, and it could be something that you, some people just want you to sit there with them. Yeah. Just, just sit there. They don't want you to have a conversation. They don't, they don't want to talk about anything. They just want you to be there. They just don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing what you need and being willing to communicate it. Communication is always the key, you know, and, and letting that person present those needs when they're ready. You know, I think that's a hard part sometimes for people. Thank you. Yes, because we want to fix. As human beings, yeah. we want to fix. Okay. And definitely yeah, as right. men, we want to fix. You know, as, <laughs> as a man, we want to we want to go in there with our tool belt on. And as my wife has told me, shut up and be my husband, not my counselor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She's a she's a therapist also, so I'm quite sure she didn't she wasn't looking for counseling. Right, right. I try to, I try, you know, I try to avoid the counselors, but that's another topic. But <laughs> that's another topic. Wow, Marcus, you trying to avoid? Yeah, yeah. Jerry, but but I do appreciate you, Jerry. You you, you just slapped me on the head. One Miss Benson, she hit me in the stomach earlier. You just you didn't buy a slam, but you hit me in the head like mama. You know what I mean? <laughs> on that, so I appreciate that. So Jerry, this next question is for you. Um, I I, I posed this question because a couple of weeks ago, a, a rapper named Young Dolph, I believe his name is Young Dolph. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, uh, Jerry, but he's a rapper out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, he got gunned down at a at a cookie store trying to get some cookies for his aunt or his mother. I don't know who who was the individual, but he was in, you know he was buying cookies. Got gunned down over some senseless violence. Young Dolph uh, had uh, had two children, young children, and a girlfriend uh, as well. You no know, kids, unfortunately, face the harsh reality of death. Um. How do we teach kids how to handle death? I, I mean, how you teach a two-year-old or an eight-year-old, hey, your daddy ain't coming home no more? I like to start with asking a kid, what, are, what is their definition of death? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think you have to kind of understand what, how, there's, how are they seeing things? Because a kid, you can have that conversation about death with them, and tomorrow, They'll wake up and ask you, okay, now when is dad coming home? Mm-hmm. Or when is such and such coming home? And I think one, being patient and being persistent and being understanding, you know, on their level. And, you know, again, educating a, a, a child is a lot different than trying to educate an adult, you know, because mm-hmm. they're not even aware sometimes of their emotions and, you know, the reality of that. They're never going to see this person, that parent again. Uh, I was just watching a a video on Instagram of the young man that was gone down a couple of years ago, Triple X, the rapper, and his son was like, he's three years old, and he was pointing to the picture, and he was like, Papa or Dad or something. You know, in essence, he knows the picture, but doesn't understand why his dad is not with him. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see in handling and dealing with kids and, and grief is that we have that conversation, and we don't, we don't stay persistent in helping them to go through it as they develop. You know, because I think Ms. Benson said it well about grief. Grief is not one of those things that just, you know, you go through this little cycle and it's over. 
you know, it can be a year later, it can be two years later. As the person develops, you know, more questions develop. So I think getting them to the proper people that can help. You know, sometimes a lot of people don't know about play therapy for kids. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an excellent place to start. For me, I see kids, you know, uh, probably around the age of six or seven, but most of the kids that I see are very intelligent. So mm -hmm. they're able to process and talk about a lot of things. Uh, but I think getting them into some counseling, uh, getting them to some professionals, getting them to people in the church, getting them to family members that can help is always, in, in my in my uh, personal opinion and professional opinion, the right thing to do. You know, educating, if you don't know, find somebody that can help educate. All right, I'm going to flip this question, Ms. Benson. Um, Ms. Uh, Ms. Dolph. Uh, I don't know her, her 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 real name, but young Dolph's uh, girlfriend brings her two children into your office for counseling. Uh, what are you telling these kids, or how are you teaching these kids to handle the death of their father? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm gonna look and see how she's handling it because she's gonna be what they feed off of, mm -hmm. right? Mm. So. Um, a lot of times we, I, with things, period, we always look at the kids. Sometimes the issue is the parents. So, <laughs> um, so it's, it's what the kids seeing around the home, what the, the mom or dad or how they were communicating or talking to the father or about the father or what's happening in the home. Some of these kids, we feel that like they don't understand, but our children are not told to go down in the basement or go in another room like they used to when I was growing up. So some of these kids know way more than we might think they sh should. Um, so first and foremost, I, I would start with just her being aware of what's happening with her, asking her what, um, treatment or if she's even talking to someone, how is she handling that? How's the family handling that? Because all of those people are touching these children. And then once I'm aware of that, uh, then starting to talk to um, the children, um, asking also her, how is this her first time explaining that to them? Truly, sometimes what are the kids watching? Some of these things, they're already possibly bombarded or even can be desensitized to some of those things. And they might, like I said, know more than what we might be able to tell them. So I would have to do some exploration just before I'm just coming in and, and sitting down and just starting with them about what they know. So sorry if I didn't answer the question, but that's a good that's a good uh, perspective and a good way of looking at it is how is the parent handling it? Because, you know, what I'm saying the parent can add more stress or uh, make the situation worse than what it is. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, I, a lot of things start with parenting. So that's a good outlook and uh, a view on the question. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. I like, that's why I bring different people on the show. Think differently. Um, uh, let's see here. I think I started with you. I started with Jerry. So Ms. Benson, what what are the wrong ways to handle grief? And we talked about this. Is social media the proper way to handle grief? I mean, a lot of people they put they put all their man. I'm like I said, and please don't beat me up, Miss Miss Benson. You already done it already. For me, I'm more <laughs> of a private person. You get what I'm saying? But for me, you can put some quote for me. 
I'm a Thank private you. person, but uh, I just don't think social media. But it's a two point, uh, two uh, part question. What are the wrong ways to handle grief, and is social media the proper way to for somebody that's going through grief to 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 release it or unleash it, whatever? Well, um, yeah, as I stated before, I would say there's no proper way, as long as it's you know. Is there a wrong way? Uh, yeah, that I said, if you break the law, not, you know, law abiding or anything like that. So that's why I'm a go-to because each person is different, you know? So I would definitely end up saying that because it's all each person's perspective, depending on who you are. So you might say you're handling grief by avoiding your parent, your, your grandmother's house. Somebody could be saying, your sister is saying that's just wrong. You're not handling that correctly. But for you, you handle it how you feel you need to at this time. And when you're ready to do that, you will, you know, having someone tell you about what you need to do, you know, you, you gotta be able to be at a point where you are open to now I am ready. I'm at least start the steps of doing that. And anybody telling you that you should do something different. That's that's so that's why I'm saying that it's not necessarily that proper way. As long as it's law abiding. Um, if you said it's social media, now, for that, it, it depends because what happens with social media, like you said, two-edged sword, if it is a person that is a loved one and you're trying to handle it, but your cousin find out, your cousin posted before you do, you know, that is, even though that that might be a different dynamics and the cousin is hurting too, it just failed to give you, if that was your, you know, your significant other, other um, or mother, it, it fails to give you that opportunity to share that. And now most people are kind of finding out via social media versus you getting a call. And for some people, their perspective is, I don't want to have to call everybody. So I put it out there. And there are people that say, I would rather have a call. I want to be able to process it. I don't want to stroll if I'm trying to not think about stuff only to be hit with, you know, finding out somebody in my family passed because I didn't get a call. So it's it's still each person's perspective. So I'm not going to say it's, a, you know, even a the proper way or not the proper way for because for some people it is. For some people it isn't. You know, I definitely wouldn't want to find out that way. But depending on which family member it is, if it's my aunt's daughter and that's how she want to choose to do it i can't be mad at her how she chose to do it i might not like how i find out about it if you know or i might get a call and then it's on social media i would probably feel better if i got a call about it so if i see it it's not no shock to me gotcha gotcha miss benson did you play basketball because you 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 crossing over these questions i can tell all right, Jerry. It, it, so, so go ahead. So let me let me let me add on to what Miss Benson is saying. You know, it, I, I have a list of don'ts that that grief mm-hmm. uh, from from an EAP, and the first one is don't stay away from work. Now, that, that sounds like a, a great thing for a person, but let's say your work is in being a, a therapist, and you're just not you're not through your grief. Well, coming to work can be detrimental to somebody else. I see people all the time that, you know, getting back to work, it helps heal them. But I also see people that go back to work and they just fall apart. You know, so I think that's why she's saying it's not a definite do or don't. But this sheet says, you know, don't stay away from work. It may work for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. Um, You know, don't withdraw from others. 
what if those people are getting on your nerves and they're the reason? What if they're triggering? Those same people can be the ones that trigger you to end up having you go back or do some of those things that you wouldn't, you know, that's stopping you from being able to go on your time. That's why they give you bereavement. That's why they give you that day or two to handle or try to best handle what you can and, and able to get back. That's why people use and, PTO because I am not ready. And you know? I tell people this all the time, take your FMLA if, if that doesn't mm -hmm. work for you. Uh, as a therapist, I have no problem signing off on FMLA uh, for grief issues. You know, it, it's not about what works for the, for, for the other person. It was, it's what works for me. Right. Maybe my boss lost his dad and he was back at work in the next day or two. And, you know, I lost my dog and I was out of work for a month. Well, that grief hit me different. You know, and some people look at pets as, as something different. Yep. I've, I've had that process of losing a, a yep. lab that was 16 years old. And I cried the same way I lost when I lost my uncle. And same people might hear that soft, but I'm, I've never been accused of being soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you this, I actually went back to work the next day after my dog, but I was in pieces. My face was red yeah. to the point they still said, go home. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, you ain't getting nothing from me, Jerry, because you, you, I got uh, Miss Point Guard Miss Benson on the bottom this online yeah. today, so I'm going to leave that alone. You know, some of the things that it has on here don't increase your, your caffeine intake, uh, don't re reduce leisure activities. You know, some of those things are, you can look at those and, and you can, and you they may apply for a large amount of people, but not for everybody. And I think that's why you hear Ms. Benson saying, I think what we never want to do is, is, is mental health providers in any shape, form, or fashion is, is give somebody what they think is going to be a solution that doesn't work for them misinformation you know uh that's why it's always it's a case-by-case -case basis no matter who you meet you know i want to see how you fall into this dynamic and see what works for you great great um miss benson i'm yeah. i'm i'm, tr I'm figuring, trying to figure out that we already answered this question now with y'all clients with all this pandemic going on all this death we lost over a million people due mm -hmm. to the pandemic in the United States alone, millions worldwide. Have you seen the mind, have, in your clients, have you seen their mindset change towards life, towards death? You know, is um, not just not being able to, uh, are they more, or, yeah. yeah, are they more, you know, let's live life to the fullest or? Yeah, some people. Go ahead, Miss Benson, I, you jumping in. Go ahead, jump say. in. Shoot your yeah. free throw. I was going to say, um, I think, yes, that's why you have a lot of people that are choosing not to work. I mean, part of that could be, you know, the money that was given, but it's also during that time off and, and, and losing loved ones. A lot of people in Western culture, it is work, work, work to live versus live to work. So, um, you have a lot of people that have lost loved ones. The pandemic end up helping you be at home with some of your family members, that you might not have got a chance to spend as much time with and you really got a chance to appreciate it. And then seeing all the death possibly going on around you helped you appreciate them relationships more, helped you to identify maybe places that you work that was not 
supportive of your your family and lifestyle so you have people that are choosing to make those changes now because like i said earlier we're we're not promised tomorrow and you have people that have worked for places 20 30 years and if those places are not giving you that time off for family or friends then you got other places now you have you can work from home and and be around your family more so you've had more family nights eating together you know game nights and um as i've been a lot of times just working with my fam- um, my clients or even just my family, spending time together. Um, those, I think some of those things have increased. And I think people are valuing their, their time more and, and family time more. Okay, great. So that. those um, ideas about life has oh. shifted for some. Oh, I apologize for interrupting. I, I thought you was done. No, cool. okay. I am. <laughs> Miss Benson, don't do, don't do this. What? <laughs> Don't do this, Jerry. Uh, have you noticed in your clients that the, the any dynamic shift in their mindset and outlook on life since the pandemic and and how it affected you know how has it, it it killed so many people and and they I mean, probably your clients lost some loved ones to the pandemic. Have Have you seen a, a, a dynamic sh- shift of mindset towards life? I have, and and to piggyback off of what Ms. Benson said, the work uh, dynamic, I think what you're also seeing is people are saying, you know, are are the things as important as they used to be? Because one thing the pandemic forced you to do was to use what you had and to figure out a way to become innovative, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people is just like uh, the Great Depression. When you went through the Great Depression, people that came out having a lot of money uh, or had money, or they came into more money, they didn't go out and just start throwing the money away. They were always preparing for that next incident. I think some people through this pandemic has started to look at life like, okay, what's my quality of life? You know, yeah. And my, fa- my finances, do I really need three or four TVs or five or six cars? You know, um, you know, what is life really about? So they've learned to kind of push back and uh, I think a lot of people are living within their comfort zone and they're not letting things define them as much. It's what I'm running into. Uh, and I think that's why when you look around, just even the immediate area uh, of Madison, you see a lot of help wanted signs because some people were at these jobs where they didn't feel valued. They didn't feel supported. Um, I watched my wife, you know, her job wasn't supportive. So she, she just came into our practice and she's informing me she's never leaving from the practice because she doesn't have to fight about time off or taking care of the kids or taking care of herself. Uh, her job, I won't mention it, but she went to get her hair done, used her PTO. And one of the people, the front desk women said to her, oh, so you, you took off to get your hair fixed. How dare you? And, you know, my wife came an inch from losing her job. Like, uh, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I take care of myself? Self-care is important. You know, she was seeing 60, 60 people in a week and you're asking her, you know, she had a, a client load of about 85 people and you're asking her why she took off to, to take care of herself. And I think this pandemic, you know, you see a lot of that going on uh, because people realize we're not promised tomorrow. So why am I trying to prepare for something instead of enjoying what I'm blessed with today? That doesn't mean you don't take care of your finances mm-hmm. and take care of your health and do the things you need to do. But, you know, you also don't, you don't allow certain things to run your life like you used to. I think that's what I see in a lot of people. Okay. Okay. 
That's great. Now, this is the last question. Uh, y'all already gave me some tidbits and gave the black community some tidbits on this. And but, um, if what what tidbits or advice, Jerry, you want to uh, want to give the black community on grieving um, during the pandemic or after we leave this pandemic, uh, if when it when it uh, dies down, which I hope it does, we do, we got a new variant. Oh, my own. I don't know what's the name of it, but Lord, Omicron, the, Omicron please don't reach Omega. It's a gay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> ain't gonna, I mean, darn, this darn, darn, this darn virus going only needs is a, a, a probate and a jet and a fraternity jacket, Omicron mm-hmm. and Omega. But uh, what advice you want to give to the black community handling, handling grief within their family and, and, they, and, and their friends? I ran across this the other day on Instagram. It, it says, grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. And I think, you know, just reminding people that are grieving, don't forget about the love that's connected to why you're grieving. Don't, mm. don't just focus on the negative, you know, because sometimes all we see is the end game. I lost this person, mm-hmm. and we forget those great, strides and impacts they made in our life and in this world and if you just if you focus on negative you think negative you talk negative you're going to feel it mm-hmm. so try to yeah. also see that positive part in the people that you've lost and i know that's not easy and give yourself as much time as you need to grieve like again it's nobody's timetable if, if johnny mm-hmm. got over his grieving you know in a day if it looks like that it, you don't have to match that person you just have to you have to take that process one day at a time and do what's best for you. Miss Benson, last but not least, what advice okay. you want to give to the black community about grieving? Um, one of the things I would definitely say, uh, give is enjoy the people also while they are here, creating memories, right? Because unfortunately, we all have a date, and sometimes giving a birth date when that person came in your life and showed you different things or, or poured into you versus the date that they're no longer here. And that's what I also find out that some clients focus on the day that they're not here voices versus the 20 years that you got a chance to spend with them or the different experiences that you have. So those are some of the things that I do focus on with some of my clients is what are the good things? What are this picture? What is this memory? Because those are the things that you will have with you. Um, and doing things in reference to that. What is it? What is their favorite food? What is their favorite restaurant? And celebrating and going to those things and, and doing those things um, in, in, in memory of them. So it doesn't mean that you still don't feel sad or sometimes, you know, are, you will continue to grieve because it is a process. But cry. Sometimes things going to come up that remind you of them and laugh or, or whatever that comes up, whatever that emotion that you feel, experience that, but also do things in that memory. Write a letter, talk about the, the things that you miss to that person. Even though they're not here, doesn't mean you still don't talk. Just like we talk to the Lord and pray, you can still do that to your loved one. Sometimes you already know an answer that your loved one would say, just because they've said it so much, could you being around them? If my grandma was here, this is what she would say. So those things doesn't stop because that person has been in your life and those are the memories that you have.
thank you, Miss Benson and and Jerry for uh, Jerry Gibson for coming on the show and giving us uh, your knowledge and wisdom about grieving in the black community. Um, I actually this is this is a great show and it, and it's, it's it's personal for me uh, and this I actually want to say I always say a closing statement but. The show is uh, dedicated to it's the holiday season, and a lot of people. One of my my friends told me he does, he hate the holidays because his his mother and father is no longer here. So um, please be uh, uh, considerate of the ones that are grieving, even to this day, um, uh, for their loved ones. And like you said, if you can say a kind word, that do that. I'm more of an action guy. Do something, you know. See, go visit them, say hello, hello, buy them, uh, buy buy them something, maybe pay a bill, whatever. But um, I believe the black community has suffered tremendously, uh, especially through the pandemic. Because like Miss um, Benson, she's from Detroit. And the Detroit was hit very hard for the COVID pandemic and many, many other cities uh, with a high population of black people. Please cherish the loved ones while they're here so that you won't have no guilt like I do. And like Mr. Gibson and Miss Benson said, there's no timetable to get over your grief. I remember when I was working and some white guy was saying, you ain't over your grandmother yet. Man, I almost lost my job that day. Uh, so make sure you take all the time you need people to get over your grief, whatever. And and and, and people just be constant, you know, be uh, conscious of of what people's going through. And and I will make sure to. Not look look at things from my perspective miss benson uh and try to be more open-minded on social media when people are trying to grieve during social media so uh this was a great show it it, it, it humbled me by y'all responses uh mr gibson and, and miss benson I, it humbled me and hopefully is, is a blessing to somebody else um uh that's listening but the great thing y'all said is that one of the the, the best things about of the body is the brain and the brain function is to send signals to the other body parts to so they could do their job but the most beautiful thing about the brain is the memories the power to retain information so when your loved ones are gone make sure you retain those beautiful uh connections y'all have with them and and cherish them forever and, and and make sure you uphold them and, and, and make sure you represent your family well. Now, this is Marcus with Rebuke. This is the last show of 2021. I hope everybody have a safe holidays. Um, enjoy their families while they're here. Tell them you love them, hug them, uh, kiss them and all that. And, you know, still be safe. You know, COVID's still out here, but but tell them that you, you love them as well. Now, before I leave, I always leave with my slogan is that knowledge is power, economic freedom is salvation. But if you pull the two together, we can build a great nation. This is Marcus with Rebuke Podcast, and I'll talk to you next year.
Peace. One. Go. Hello, my name is Juanika Benson. I um, have a, a master's level psychologist. Um, I am the owner of Mindful Concepts LLC in Southfield, Michigan. Um, and you can look me up on Psychology Today. And you are now um, working with Mr. Marcus of Rebuke. Three, two, one. Hi, this is Jerry Gibson. I'm a counselor at Complete Counseling, also the owner of Complete Counseling, LLC. You can reach me at 256-213-1934. And you are now listening to Rebuke.